Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Tim Berners-Lee, the inventor of the World Wide Web and CTO at Enrupt. And we're also talking with John Bruce, the CEO at Enrupt. We discuss how Enrupt is building a new layer on the web called Solid, how Solid's unique API significantly reduces the need for backend development, and how Solid gives users control over their personal data. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Hello, hello. Hey, Joel. How are you guys? Yeah, good. How about you? Fantastic, fantastic. I'm super excited to meet both of you. We're excited to do, to do this. Likewise. Yeah, yeah. So what we do is we just kind of like hang out and talk. Like if we were all at lunch or something of that nature, we can talk about whatever topics we want. Um, the editing team is super brilliant and they will edit it up to make us sound way smarter than we are. So <laughs> we're lucky to have them. So we can just be ourselves and do what we'd like. Is that cool? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we should start with some introductions since we have two people on the podcast, people will be hearing your voice. Uh, Tim, could you please introduce yourself? Okay. My name is Tim Bernersley. I invented the web in 1989. Since then, I've, uh, I've uh, promoted it, developed it, worried about it. And now we're flipping it around to, uh, to fix the problems it had uh, from web, uh, when it was web 2 to be the new web 3. That's amazing. I'm super excited. I've got so many questions for you guys. <laughs> and then, uh, John, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Tim's a tough introduction to follow, actually. I'm his, uh, I'm his co-founder and partner here at, at Inrupt, and we founded the company, I guess, three and a half years ago now, Tim. It's flying by. But... What, was the, what was the reason that you founded it? We already have an internet. <laughs> uh, it needs fixing, though. Uh, I'll leave Tim to describe why it needs fixing, but it's I, I think you'd appreciate that like everybody does. I mean, we need to put it right. So, so the, yeah, so the web was, uh, you know, I invented the web was 30 years ago. And I guess for, for maybe 10, 15 years, if you went to the street and you asked people about it, they'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's exciting technology. They're useful. I use it. You know, uh, and then, but now, last, last five, 10 years, certainly, you can ask anybody what's, what, you know, uh, how do you feel about the web? And, uh, and they go, well, actually, I'm worried about, I can't tell what's true. And I'm worried that I'm being manipulated. And, uh, and, uh, or, uh, it was, uh, I'm worried that other people are being manipulated using data that I have given big social networks and so on. I'm worried about, so there are lots of problems with the web and the things to do with personal, personal data were a big piece of those. And so, uh, we started this company interrupt in order to make a new world possible, a new world, the world of solid. And solid is a new protocol. So protocol, solid protocol, it's the web protocol still, still HTTP, uh, and, and there's uh, still DNS, and it's still, it says websites, except now it's a bit much more like everybody has their own website. Everybody has their own website, which is a complete, which they completely control. They have control over. So instead of your data all being inside the belly of all of the social network sites that you use, you get to put it where you where you want, where you choose. We call it a solid pod, and uh, so uh, and so you uh, you can have several data pods. People, if you're on this call, you're probably persons involved in all sorts of different things, and so you probably have a few email addresses. Similarly. You'll have several solid pods, one for home, one for this work, one for that work, and um, and so on. But it's a world in which, uh, but it's not a world where technically it's very, very different from the world we are in. You know, data goes across the internet, there are protocols, but it's the one where we we add a few things that we really uh, we needed before in order to f uh, to fix these issues uh, that a lot of people are aware of in this web. Well, that's exciting. And I was reading on your website about the pods and the different developer tools that you have. My background, software engineer, uh, 17 years, mainly built like commercial web applications. Uh, and then from there, I started doing some writing and then hosting the podcast. And then over the past four years, it 
grew to a pretty cool point. And so that's, that's my professional history. Um, one thing I was curious, like as I was very excited about this interview. So leading up to this interview, I've been asking other people, you know, what do they want to know about John? What do they want to know about Tim? And uh, one of the questions I got a lot of is what was your childhood like, Tim? So mine, uh, it was great. My parents were both mathematicians. They weren't computer scientists then, but they did. They actually, so they met on the team at Florenti Limited in uh, Manchester, which was building the first uh, actual store program computer. Manchester University made a computer. Florenti University commercialized it. They worked for Florenti. So that sort of that was. So I was pretty lucky. They were neat people anyway. I grew up uh, in. In London, between the park, Vision Park and the Thames, which was beautiful as well. But the atmosphere was, was of, uh, of excitement, right? Because in the early days of computers, they'd shown like, like a, a Turing machine. If you have a computer, then it's actually equivalent to anybody else's computer, like by the animation game, if you've seen the movie. So Turing machine, the old things are computer, uh, uh, all computers are basically compatible. They can all do the same thing. So if you program a computer, and I program computer, what we do is not limited by how powerful computer is, it's limited by our imagination. And that was a massive, this excitement of, wow, you know, these computers will do anything we can imagine them to do. That was a, that was the spirit of, of sort of my, of my parents and people that came home to dinner with them. That's amazing. Yes. I, you'll, if you are at this company, you'll often hear me say that you're only limited by your own imagination. Because often I see great people and they're able to work. They have the work ethic. They've got some talent, but sometimes their imagination needs a little bit of uh, love, you know? A bit of courage too as well, Joe. Yes. I mean, having the imagination, as Tim has said, for the web, and then uh, the courage to do something. Yeah, it takes that persistence. You have to actually go and do it, not just imagining. That's something that I worked on a lot too. Yeah. We're trying to make a difference. So. Where do you get your courage from, John? Oh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I was an inner city kid from Liverpool. So I actually was there. Now, there's a place in Liverpool called Bootle where most people from Liverpool don't like to go. I kid. It's a fabulous place. But, 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 but you know, my mom and dad were working class. Uh, gave me the, the I guess, the, the, you know, the, the, the work ethic and the, maybe the will to win. And will to succeed. So, so partner with Tim's a fabulous privilege and an opportunity, and and here we are sitting astride an immense opportunity to change the web with minuscule resources to do it. And so, I think everybody who joins us in the mission has to have courage to, to pursue the vision if we want it, and we should. So, we're putting the effort in. We can get there. So, have you have you gotten other tech founders? Uh, to show interest in this and to help promote the mission. I, I know that the CEO of, of, I don't know if he's a CEO, I apologize. I know that one of the founders of Twitter, Jack, is pretty into this decentralized computing. Have you guys linked up with, with them yet? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, looking at, talking to Jack about the, uh, about the difference between when you start something, whether you design a protocol, which all the computers in the world talk to each other, like email or HTTP, or you, or, or you make a website, or you make a system. And he was thinking, mm, uh, so Twitter was a, a website. It worked. Uh, now that worked. Okay, now what happens if it been protocol? So, so what, so, so yeah, he's really interested and, and, uh, and pretty passionate about both how can you make this thing not depend on uh, on Twitter being the sort of center of all things, but also how can you make? He's very passionate about technology serving humanity, and so you know when, when we build a solid world, what we imagine is that we'll build a, another infrastructure, another platform. We'll, you know, now we have a solid platform on top of the web, which is on top of the internet, and when you build this platform, we'll try to give it a we'll, we'll it'll be a place where developer can build apps that that work for their users, right? Uh, because we're not assuming that you're going to be writing codes for a social network which uh, which gets its money by advertising and say so your job is not to not to help your user but to try and to ambush their thought and take them to go and buy something. Your job is not going to be to make click phases as horrible as possible. Your job is going to work making a solid app is about making it up the worst users. You know, like it used to be when people made 
when apps are on floppy disks that you put them in a PC. You know, you put your app, you bought, you, you bought the app, you paid for the guy who built the app, you paid money for it, and it works for you. And there's a lot of apps now, all open source software works for you. And so, you know, because there's the, this sort of dysfunction where people are on, on a social network and their network is, is milking them for information and trying to exploit them and isn't on their side. You know, that people, a lot of people out there, a lot of people in this feature world uh, tend to say, that's how, how it's got to be. That's how the business model of Silicon Valley works. But actually, there are lots of people like Jeff included are saying, well, these things can change. We can take back control. We can give the users that control. It'll take some really smart people and uh, a movement. And I'm excited for it personally. I'm a huge fan of like an open and free internet. I love the words that you chose too, because I heard you just use it in a sentence. When we build a solid world, now it's like, oh, there it is. I love the the wordplay there. How did you come up with the name Enrupt? Oh, that was me. Uh, so, well, there aren't very many, weren't very many dot-com short words, but if you're, everybody's talking about innovation, anybody's talking about disruption, has some innovation and disruption. That's brilliant. Mm. Yeah, when we first got together over dinner and so Tim said the word interrupt, I thought, okay, one of the first things I'm going to do is change the company name. <laughs> but, but it's like a really new pair of shoes. You know, they're tight at first, but then you get used to them and they're comfortable and it just fits for us now. So. Yeah, the idea is that enough people, will, everybody will get to know it. So all, I mean, I have NRUP behind me, right? Pretty soon I'm going to put a bit of the N and a bit of the R and they'll know, oh, that's in rupt. <laughs> for the background, because my context is like building commercial software, usually for larger organizations. And I don't have a computer science um, engineering degree background to where I was you know, talking to some of these uh, people leading up to this podcast and they were explaining to me like OSI and the different layers of a network because I was just calling everything the web. And I was like, oh, I'm, I was talking calling everything the internet. So they helped me sort of differentiate between the, the different levels. Um, but for me to understand it from, from my context, you've got solid, you've got these pods. Do you have like a working example of a specific technology that could be like, you use this or a story? Uh, okay, let me, can I sort of just, uh, so where are you coming? You've, are you a full stack developer? Have you done uh, front-end and back-end? Or back, or? Yes, yes. Okay. You get front end typically, you'll have done JavaScript and you're, and the system you put together has got JavaScript running in the browser and it's got PHP typically running on the, running on the server. And whenever you did anything, all those apps that you put together, somebody wanted a new tweak, they wanted to add a new checkbox. Uh, has this person been vaccinated? You go, Oh, right. I can do that. I will change my JavaScript. I will change my React. I will put in, add them to the form, uh, add, this, has this been vaccinated? And then I will go into my SQL or the back end and I will add a new, uh, I've got all these tables. Which one is it? Oh, right. I'll add a new, uh, I'll add a new bit, a uh, new boolean into the data structure to store that I'm storing on the disk. Uh, and then I, and then I've got to tweak my API so that you've got, so now you've got your, the front end, when somebody checks that, yeah, I've been vaccinated, it's got to go, got to do, do something right down, back into the back end, back end's got to store it in the database. So that is the, that's how a lot of stuff is done. And it ends up with, you end up with these, uh, you, you need to understand all that stuff about the front end and back end. And also, whenever you change the app, you've got to change the front end and the back end. So you have all these different sort of patch, uh, frameworks you may use to try and make that easy. But actually, basically, it's difficult because you've got to change stuff which is on the server and stuff which is in the client. Okay. So solid is different from the developer point of view. You don't have, you don't have any back end programming. You have a generic API. Instead of having your version one API or Twitter API or Facebook API to the Facebook store or the, uh, you know, each, you know, Strava API to the Strava or Dropbox API to Dropbox store for every different backend out there. Solid said, actually, if we let that application just store arbitrary data structure, if you could, you know, if we let them just store trees and tables, and in fact, if we let them store a graph, because a graph is a very nice, that graph can be any shape. So you can take a tree, store it as a graph. You can take a table and store it as a graph. So what the solid data, the solid pod 
as we call it, does the person in online data store. Anything that supports the solid protocol allows you to write graphs in. So in the app, you write an app, and you write an app, and it's, it asks the, the, uh, the user, hey, where do you want me to store this? Which pod do you want me to store this stuff? And always you log in, and you get them pointers to their pod. And you, in the app, you just store whatever you like. And when somebody wants you to put in, you, know, you store these graphs, and one of these graphs has got a tree, and on that tree, it's got a few things that you're asking somebody about their status, and you're going to add another thing. All right, and that all happens in the cloud. So you just add a piece, you add onto the form, I'm going to add a boolean. The predicate is going to be, are you vaccinated yet? And that will store an are you vaccinated flag, boolean flag in the graph structure, in the solid store, without you having to change the backing at all. So that is fundamentally different. Right, and it means that socially, uh, that means that you, you sort of it's different to be developed because you can think of a really cool COVID tracking app and you can write it. You write it as a solid app and everybody can use it with their existing solid pods and you don't have to write any backing. Now, for all the people, you know, I know I've had people in the audience say, but I'm a back end developer. What's going to become of me? But yeah, all is good. We need lots of back end developers. But, but when they work on the back end and the solid pod, you know, they are making they're very, very, uh, they make a generic, uh, solid server and, uh, it will work with any app. And to a certain extent, they want, you know, we want people to spend a lot of time working on the servers, but they're all the same. And right now, there are five different, completely different stacks, some commercial, some not, uh, for the servers. We've got five, you can write your app and you'll run on these five different stacks. One of these core thing that I knew we would need at this point, is for developers to be able to say, yeah, but you know, how do I know the server is going to run reliably? And so when John and I started in Rux, we said, you know, developing and de- developing a serious enterprise version of all this stuff is going to be one of the things that it. So one of the servers out there is, uh, and is the, the in enterprise server and it's the best. And where is, so the pod stands for personal online data store. Is that correct? Yeah. Where does this pod live? Am I hosting it off of like my own computer? Is it living on your? Where does it live? All the above. All the above. So- yeah, this is the new. This is the new architecture for data and people, right? So when people so different to so you might go home, people listen to this. The geekier ones will go home and maybe grab. Uh, Grab a little computer, grab a Mac Mini, uh, fire up, uh, get, grab a Docker image, and put a solid pod on it and have it sitting there in their living room where they can keep an eye on it. And, so, and people, and, and yeah, I got a, I got a solid mice, one solid pod right there with a whole bunch of data on it uh, where I can keep, keep an, eye on, uh, an eye on it. And other people in the early solid community will like that, but most people, they'll get, you know, they'll, There'll be lots of different types of pods you can get. There'll be free pods that some people will give you, you know, or free for being a new customer sort of thing. There'll be, and, and, you know, a lot of them will be in cloud, but it'll be cloud where you're in charge. So it's like a basic, it, so, and people currently give you, uh, get, give you storage, um, for various reasons. Now they'll be giving you solid compatible storage in, in the future. Good chance you'll have a number of them, Joel. So you'll have, you know, particularly if you're technically competent to the degree you are, you'll have your own pod, you probably run it on your own infrastructure, but then very good chance you'll have one that's issued by your government, the social services. You might have got one from the bank because they they, they were first they first engaged with you to give you some financial services and now it's an, actually it's a cool place to keep your more valuable data. I mean, it, it's all stored in the same way. So consider it one conceptual pod area, but broken into, you know, uh, uh, could be broken into multiple pods depending on who services you and what they're servicing you with and what data you've got inside. And that's actually how it's rolling out now in real projects. So, so if you look at what's going on in some countries, the government agencies are issuing pods, corporations are intending to issue the self-same citizens with pods, and, and fast forward a few years, they can all hang out together. So, Yeah, we've had we worked with a bunch of financial services companies, and sometimes you know when when there are skeptical people about privacy, they say, "Well, what company would I trust to store my data anyway?" You say, "Well, what about your bank?" And they go, "Well, I guess I have to. Yeah, I think I trust my bank to store my data. They store they store my money, 
Uh, so yeah, that will work. If I could have a safe deposit box, solid power with my bank, I think I'd I'd do that. I, I think I trust that. So let's say let's take this banking concept farther, so I can better understand it. So as a full stack developer, if I were writing a banking app, there would be let's start like a small bank, right? There's going to be a single database, and it's going to contain all the rows of all the individuals and their information and their balances and all of that. But if I did it in a in a pod way, like there would be different can different pods for each one of the customers versus it all being in like one area. Am I understanding that? Is that how it works? Yeah. So the banks are an interesting case uh, because the relationship I have with the bank is that uh, most, you know, we've got this list of transactions that we've gone through over time, you know, bank statements and stuff. And it's really important that we agree on those. So every now and again, I log on or every now and again, they send me a bank statement. But in an ideal world, I should know immediately I should know on every device I've got at the moment, if somebody, somebody uses my credit card, bing, ever. So the, the vision is that the bank's database, you know, the, from your point of view, writing the bank code, the bank database is the, you know, is the core sort of gospel truth. But on the other hand, you've got a, a, a you've got an obligation in your relationship with me to, to the moment, to think with my pod the moment you can. And, and if my pod's online permanently, that means yeah, within a few seconds or a few minutes, when transactions happen, you'll stick with my pod. So I can go to my pod, whether maybe my pod sitting in my house, maybe my pod sitting somewhere in my cloud. But then we've got, so I might give you sort of append only access. I might say, you, know, you can write new transactions in here, but you can't delete them. So I know that the pod won't even let you remove them. So the moment you've committed that a particular transaction had happened, I give you append access. I know that uh, it'll always be there. Because the pod, you know, the person who provides the pod, makes sure that that you know that database just loads. So there, there are lots of different ways that companies and and and, and the individuals can share data. But the banks are one because the bank because you, you definitely have two copies, one in the one in the pod and one one with the bank. I th- I'm starting to get it. It's not quite as reform as you described, Joel. Just to interject a little, in as much as you know, there are commonly understood ontologies for financial services, healthcare, and so on. Actually, uh, uh, Google run a pretty large one too. Uh, and then there are, and so, so that describes, you know, how you're going to store the data. And then in the context of the layout of it, you know, there are well-understood weak term and shapes. So, so if I'm building an application intending to access that data, I don't need to worry necessarily about how to refer to it or, or where to find it. I just ask for access to it. Uh, uh, confident in the knowledge that it's stored in an appropriate fashion inside the pod. That, that's the jury having evidence to, to agree to spec, right? I mean, it's uh, it's all very open. It's all agreed to. And uh, it means a lot of the heavy lifting for developers, you know, one API, one way to access the data, one way to get permission to access to it and, and refer to it. And then uh, all I need to worry about is creating the app. Yeah, it's going to make everything a lot easier. All right, I'm almost there. I think I'm like 75% of the way there. And then usually when I get to 100, I realize I know nothing. But let's get to the 100 first. <laughs> All right, so let's take this bank concept a little farther. So they have their, I'm the developer, I have my central bank, but I've also enabled pods because my customers demand them. They want them. They want this abstracted new layer of the internet where they own their own personal information. So I set up, I allow my central database to sort of like reflect this user's data, can give them permissions, control it. Like you said, they can read, but they might not be able to delete or they could write. But all right, so then they have their pod. It's this new layer, this new abstraction, if you will. And then if they choose, because it's their pod, they can go then and work with a third party and say, okay, I'm going to give you access to my pod. You get any inherited permissions, but I'm going to give you access to my pod. And now, now I can interact with that third party without them having to go through all the long process of actually integrating with the bank and all the paperwork there. Because I'm saying, this is my data. It's I own it. And I'm, I want this feature or this platform to help me manage it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's hard. In the UK, there's legislation that's called open banking. Which says banks have got to do this, and so and there are standards like RFX and stuff. So that in other words, you have as a citizen in the UK, you have the right to any data from any financial situation. So that from the sort of 
and open banking is uh, sorry, uh, yeah, open banking UK was put in in order to stim- largely in order to stimulate a, a market for all kinds of cool apps that you so that you might you might then leave the bank and go and sit up by yourself and make all, all kinds of things, you know, apps to help me do my taxes, apps to help me run my life. Because you'll be able to look at bank data, you'll be able to look at, you'll be able to look at my credit card data. You'll be able to look at maybe figure out some nutrition data. Maybe you'll look at my fitness data, download some my devices. So you'll be able to help me write. You'll be able to write a program to help me run my life, help me decide whether or not I should run a marathon. And if so, you know, uh, how, uh, who I should, who are my friends I should run with and, uh, what I should, what types of pizza I should stop eating and so on. You could, because you can pull in data. If you pull in data, sort of data about fitness, data about health from the hospital, open health, of course, is massive. And, and then data about my day to day life. Uh, you could help me on the right marathon, but also while you're at it, you could look for, uh, weak signals that I might be bad diabetic. So if you help 100% of the people, of the people who run, who use your app to uh, run a marathon and actually sort of 1% of them, you help them, you tell them to go and see the doctor because they could be pre-diabetic. There's also, you know, that's, you've seen the benefit of information insights coming to the, uh, you know, you're getting that information insight from collecting data together, but it's the, the person, it's the citizen, it's the consumer that's actually benefiting from the new insights from linking all that data. I love this. It's the future. I'm officially sold on it. <laughs> I'm a fan. Now, here's the here's the important part. Like, if you look at Elon Musk, I'm a huge fan of having a brain app store where I can download different things through my Neuralink. But you have to start with you know curing Parkinson's or spinal injuries or whatever it may be because you have to have a business valid reason to generate revenue and then a decade of time to actually like reach the end goal. For you today, what is that that business value that will allow us to gain this momentum and ultimately end up where pods are a common thing everywhere? Fabulous question, right? Because that's the gotcha. What comes first, the applications or the users? Answer neither. So, so, so we go to big organizations who want to satisfy. You'll know this, Joel. You've been in enterprise app development uh, for a number of years. So, you know, we go to organizations who have constituents. They want to service those constituents with quite explicit needs and, and consider this just like an enterprise piece of technology you can deploy this it services those constituents it does it in a new novel and empowering way your developers find it easier to, to build apps your users enjoy a relationship with you that's a bit more you know uh, uh, evenly balanced you as an organization get utility because you can do any one of a number of things you can take disparate pieces of data about those users and merge them at the pod. Now the user has a holistic representation of themselves that they can use for, for ongoing services. And, and a good example of that's like healthcare, you know, where you now are composed in a holistic sense in your pod. You can go visit your doctor. Your doctor can see the whole of you, not just a piece of you, a sliver of you. And that's just one small, well, fairly significant in terms of value, but one, one example of many we've got. So now organizations, they like it. It's a more balanced relationship with constituents. Developers build the apps. And guess what? As a consequence of tens of millions of constituents now being serviced with this technology, they've got pods. And the next app can access those pods or come alongside those pods. And away we go. We, we, we sort of have a little analog we use inside the business. It's like Edison with his light bulb. When... Homes were burning down left and right because we lit them all with gas lamps. And everybody was over-rotating on more efficient gas lamps, better and better gas lamps. Up popped this guy with an idea of a light bulb to light your home. And But in order to switch the bulb on, you have to lay out the electricity. So so having provisioned electricity, on goes the light bulb. Mission accomplished. Look, fast forward 100 and whatever years and think about how many devices exist in the home as a consequence of electricity being provisioned for the home, and it's just it's mind-boggling. We think we're in exactly the same point with deployments like this. We're switching on light bulbs for these various organizations, either governments or, or, or large corporates. But those light bulbs are going on, and now the users have got electricity provision. So in due course, we'll be able to teach them how to cook food instantly or keep it fresh forever 
will be entertained with moving pictures in the corner. All stuff that, when the light bulb was first rolled out, would have seemed, I mean, crazy. I mean, you know, it's just so futurist, right? I mean, you wouldn't be able to wrap your head around it. So we're in the light bulb business today, helping our customers switch them on. If people are listening to this, um, and they're interested, maybe they're at a large enterprise and they're forward thinking. Like I happen to know, um, some of the people I've talked to, I found that there's just a steady stream of really forward thinking leaders that come out of Walmart, Walmart labs. They're always looking for like the next thing, uh, Amex, uh, they were really forward on like blockchain and adopting new technologies. It's not all of them. It's not everyone, but there are these cultures within some of these large organizations where they want these types of things that you're discussing, they want them to happen. How do you reach them, engage with them? How does that process go? Uh, so far, we haven't, is, is the straightforward answer. I mean, we released the enterprise-grade version of all of this last October, and we've done that with a number of bases like uh, uh, National Westminster Bank and the BBC and the NHS and so on. So, so they helped us shape it. We released it last October, and now we've got a number of countries uh, mobilizing around it, which is really exciting. Big organizations like telecoms carriers, re big retailers here in the U.S., banks, pharma, insurance, uh, and they were all kind enough to approach us. They were all kind enough to call us up and say, we're interested in what you've got. Can you explain more? So, so, so far, we haven't actually... We don't have any salespeople. We don't have any marketing departments. We, 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 all of it's all been about building the technology and, was, and doing our best to help people appreciate what we've got and why it's so relevant to either their corporation or their country. And uh, it, it's moving. Uh, I mean, you might be shocked to know how quickly some things are mobilizing around this because the appetite for change, either by end users like all of us or developers who feel constrained by you know, the, the API madness out there, trying to get access to various amounts of data, various sizes of data, or organizations who are struggling with this whole, I, I want to create new lines of business. I'm constrained by regulatory implications, appropriately so in most cases, or I have to be experts at security and privacy because I have to take this data and become responsible for it. And if you can flip that and leave the data in the hands of your constituents and service them, you, you stick to your core competency, it's hugely energizing, actually. So, 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 so if any of your listeners find what we're saying equally interesting, then they should, I mean, there's various ways to get to us. I mean, most straightforwardly to look at the solid community, which is a vibrant and growing community. The, any developers out there can, can go uh, spend time there. Or contact Inrup. There's various ways to do that. And we'd be obviously delighted to talk to people to, to help you understand more. And what are you both spending your days doing? Is it mainly like raising awareness, doing conversations like these so people understand? Is it building the technology? What What's the, like if you were to break the way you spend your day up into like a pie slice, what would the three big slices be? Uh, I suppose uh, for me, I mean, my when the day, when it'll be a lovely day when it's only spins a few pieces of fame. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, so, strategy for, 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 I suppose, the CTO, that's a, uh, that's a job. But I'm also uh, a, a sort of spiritual leader and, and to a certain extent, architectural leader of the solid community. Uh, and so, some of, part of that is being involved with, uh, you know, with, a group, with people who are writing open source software, which is generally on the client side. So, that, uh, that's well, well, for me, that's really exciting. So, building new apps and building a thing called uh, the solid operating system uh, that I feel when you get a solid pod, then it should be uh, down the, uh, the road. Uh, at the moment, they're quite simple. The apps are doing quite simple, but down, down, down the road, uh, it should be it should be really sexy. It should be, you know, I imagine Steve Jobs looking over his shoulder and telling you that the, the iPhone isn't sufficiently, uh, isn't, it isn't smooth enough, isn't smart enough. It should be easy enough to use. So we should imagine we've got him looking over our shoulder when we look all of, all of, all of the UX, all of the, everybody should look at, look over their shoulder like they do, did with an iPod and an iPad and iPhone. They should say, I want, I want a solid pod. Cause, ooh, you could do, ooh, show, show me that. Give me, how do I get one of those? And they won't have to buy anything. They'll just, just, just have to log on. So 
I want to buy something though. I think if you, if I could put my solid pod cylinder next to my Alexa and be like, there's my Alexa. She helps me answer questions, figure out what time it is so I can put the kids to bed. <laughs> bedtime yet. And then there's my solid pod. That's got some information about my family. My kids have a little directory in the solid, in this pod, my wife and my family. I mean, I would like to look at it and I would like it to be designed beautifully too. Mm-hmm. Not quite ready for you yet, Joel. <laughs> well, if but I can, we'll if we'll I can, you know, third-party people could do that too because the technology is open, right? Like, right. if I can take it and image it onto my Mac Mini out there, I could just do it onto my own custom computing system, Raspberry Pi, put a case around it, have the case 3D printed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, I, you might not be the first person to put a solid pod on a Raspberry Pi, but. Uh, <laughs> But definitely. Uh, and by the way, you mentioned Alexa. Alexa, what's interesting about Alexa is that uh, Alexa is pretty smart. Alexa knows a lot about uh, uh, Alexa knows what you've bought from Amazon and what you've and all the things you've done through Amazon. Uh, imagine that you have an assistant equally beautifully made, physically or more so. Uh, this assistant have access actually through to open retail down the road uh, to all of your body, all of your life. And so, and big difference. You know, Alexa, who do you work for? Uh, well, I uh, work for Amazon. Uh, oh, well, I hope for Alexa. Uh, so imagine Charlie. We, we have a, you know, Charlie is, is your AI works for you. Your assistant has access to your life. Who do you work for? Uh, who, who do you work for, Charlie? Well, I work for you, Joel. I am programmed just to make your life better. And I'm not taking any kicks from anybody else, and I don't get them. But I don't take bribes from people to try to sell you stuff. When I work with your data, I am programmed to work for you. And if I'm extremely capitalistic, it's the easiest way for me to sell my personal data. You can make that solid pot app. Sell your personal data, generate some revenue. As is, Could I do that? Yeah, could. <laughs> All right, you could, but it's the the value of your personal data is is more is in the using of it, and you, and it's more interesting to you than anybody else. If it finds out that you should, you may be pre-diabetic or you should check that heart. You are the person who needs to know that. Okay, you need you will be able to get uh, because you'll be able to give your 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 AI data from all across your life. You'll be able to can come to much better, very strong conclusions and they're relevant to you. Okay. If you get, if you, yeah, you can sell. So the yeah, people will always suggest, will I be able to sell my data? And you will be. And there will be systems where you sell your data for various reasons in particular. And, may, and some of them will be really, some of them you may give your data for free to everybody doing cancer research, for example. Okay. All your clinical data, that sort of thing. Or come COVID, uh, you know, hands up who will give their last, their, their clinical data and their, and their positional data and their, and their social network to the government. We only need 1% of the people to do that, to, to do the research. So there'll be times when you get to donate your data as well. But the value, but selling it is, uh, just selling it like oil, the idea that there is oil is wrong. But you know, it's not, it doesn't have a price per bit. It's price per insight and you know, and the insight you get. Is until I develop the exchange. No, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I, the reason why I think this is fun is because, um, you know, I create things. And so I see how people misuse them. You've created something and you can see how, like what your intended use was it for it. And then how people will misuse it or use it against its intended use. And so by me asking these, you know, somewhat silly questions, I was trying to figure out how free your system is, because if I'm able to make like like an exchange for selling personal data on top of your technology then it really truly is free because that's one of the reasons why it was created for that not to happen right no questions are stupid by the way no question <laughs> so not something there's, a, there's no such thing so uh, they're, they're, they're all valuable yeah i think uh well one of the real, realizing that uh, you know people don't if you describe to them the solid, the solid world, that's what kind of, as we have, with, where you have maybe several pods and 
Uh, but in fact, whenever you go and use a photograph app, it pulls in data from all the pods and integrates it. As a, you know, you're a programmer, you, you can understand, you can imagine that. But for people to really understand what it'd be like to be a person when you have complete control of your data, and, you know, they don't, they, it's, it's difficult to understand because, for example, currently they're laboring with the problem that they've got friends on Facebook and they've got their colleagues on LinkedIn. And they got their photographs on Flickr or something, and they can't just share those Facebook, those, those the, the Flickr photographs with, other, you know, with a with with family group they have on on Facebook, and the work group they've got on LinkedIn, uh, or and so and so they have to say, um, sorry, all my co- all dear colleagues, you have to come to Facebook because I can't because this having two different social networks is. is uh, is a, is a problem. People don't, people get used to that. So millennials imagine it's the way the world must be. But actually, even the, just the effort that people, that once you point out the frustration that they are actually going through to have to cope with the, you know, the fact that their data is in these silos and they can't use the Facebook data in LinkedIn, just like that, then to a certain extent, even being, just being able to do that, just be able to break down those silos, they say, I'm in. Yeah, give me a solid account because I know that all my solid accounts will talk to each other. Where I'll be able to have as many solid accounts as I like, and many solid apps as I like, and solid policies as I like, and they all talk to each other. You know, that will be just so much, so much, so empowering compared to my current life. I was going to say the inverse is also it's like a yin and a yang. If you look at the organisations and the value for that, the use cases that we're underway with now. These are organizations that are being granted access to data by users that ordinarily they'd never get anywhere close to because they're not needing to take it away. To Tim's example earlier, you know, there's one retailer here in the U.S. and their project is all about let me know all the other things you buy for your home along with that which you buy from my store. And as a consequence of that, I can do things for it. I can suggest maintenance agreements or I can get you, you know, recommendations of how you might want to upgrade stuff or or if you've got particular flooring and you want to get it replaced, I can give you a, an instant quote because, I mean, you know, the, the notion that with the relationship between the organized, principal organization and the constituents, if the constituents are confident, they're being treated with respect and trust, then they can grant permissioned access. And now we open up a whole new raft of innovation. I mean, the kind of work that Tim originally imagined. So, I had a personal frustration, um, I don't know, about six or eight months ago. So we do this podcast, right? We make clips and we promote the clips. And so we've got clips on LinkedIn. We've got clean clips on YouTube, episodes yeah. everywhere, uh, Facebook, Twitter, you know, all of our different pages where people find us and watch everything. And people were asking for stats. Like, what are the stats? Like, how many people watched this interview or watched all these clips across all these networks? So I said, you know what? It would probably take me like an afternoon, just API in to a couple of these companies, pull all the data in and, you know, link everything up through URLs. And um, so we could just put all the URLs in once and then it'll constantly keep all the views up to date. Uh, I was incredibly wrong. This was a multi-month project with unbelievable amounts of paperwork in the, in the context of making videos, talking to Facebook developers to get access to my data. I don't want anyone else. Like I didn't want to be a a situation where I'm this app developer and other people are, are using it through me. I just want to see how many views my video that I got post. I can see it right there when I'm in the browser. I don't want to screen scrape, right. And go through that. Just give me access to my data. And ultimately we made a, a number of concessions, but we got something to work, you know, pretty, pretty well. We ended up having like on LinkedIn, they won't give, they still to this day, won't give it to you for your own personal account, but you can make a company page. So we started posting from the company page instead. And that way we can get some analytics on videos going forward, but not the past four years, right? Like incredible amounts of views. So if, if, solid was a thing and it was just my data. It would just be my data. And it, I would just be able to write a little script to pull all of the views together and do what I want. And, and my favorite part of this whole process that we're in right now, because we're in the early stages, I love the beginning because I'm a persistent person and, and knowing this uphill climb, it's, it's fun and difficult, but that's like the spice of life. But my favorite part is 
the moment that these big companies start realizing that they're losing their user base and therefore their ad revenue because people are moving to a solution like this. That's the power of an idea. That's why I like Simon Sinek because he talks about like these ideas are contagious. They can spread fast. And overnight, you can have millions of millions of people decide not to use Facebook and instead to use this other technology. And those companies are left there with their current expense and cost structures and revenue models. And so there will be this tipping point when they start realizing that the people want this. And then, and then from there, it's just going to be like a flood and it's just going to go crazy. And that, I'm, I'm excited for that, that moment when all the hard work pays off. Yeah, remember, most organizations don't make a living out of ads. Most corporations, they make a living out of a core competency, selling issues or whatever it is. And if they can live in a world where they don't have to take your data, they want access to it, but they don't want to be responsible for it. And if they have a relationship with you where you will give them access to it without them necessarily being responsible. Out of window, like all your preferences, what sort of pizza you like. Uh, and your certainly dietary preferences when you log into any restaurant and you just share you can you might, you might not even, you might, you might put your diet your preferences in your, in your public profile so that you don't even have to authenticate. So the moment you will log in with your ID, the restaurant pulls your profile. It's got some cute pictures of you. Uh, and, uh, it's got a little bit of your CV. It's got your favorite phrase and oh, it's got the language you speak. It's got your favorite pronoun, your preferred pronouns and it's got your dietary preferences. So basically anything that a company, uh, needs to uh, a, a, a respectful company wants to pull it straight away. You put them on your public profile and bingo. How do you, when you're working with these teams to create something new? There's a lot of things happening, right? Because you're having to build these mental models for something as it goes from you know imagination into reality. It's one of my favorite processes in life, but. What's the formula for putting together a great team to to build these these really difficult new technologies? I think this is an essence of, of sincerity and sense of truth on building teams. I mean, you know, I really do mean this. If you pick the right people and get out of the way, that really mean get out of the way, then you can assemble fabulous teams. I I believe that's true. And, and starts with Tim's vision, and then we needed to 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 make sure we. We had the best minds on security on the team, so we we were fortunate we got Bruce Schneier to join us. And, and then we needed to get somebody who could build this, so we got a vice president from MasterCard who was used to building big global applications and 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 someone around the team who was somebody who's responsible for digital rights and privacy. And, and they all come to the mission. You know, they could all do a bunch of things, but this, they believe in. This, it's like I said, my kids are actually interested in what I do for the first time in my career. And, and they want to know how it's going because they want this web that we're after. And, and I think, you know, the people we're fortunate, the team we're putting together, believe that too. And they want it to work. And we're going to make it work. And so anyway, I, I, I could rattle on for a while about the passion we believe in, the mission. Well, and found us, uh, just as our customers found us, uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, some of our team, quite a lot of our team, uh, were worked, were trying to build something like Solid, for example, and got quite got did well, got close, didn't quite get it, and they say, oh, yeah, actually, that's and uh, I want, and then they come sort of very passionate because they can imagine. Uh, uh, they can imagine what, it, what they've been worrying about this issue, or they've been dreaming about a new world, when, which I think is different. And, they, and so that they can, they've done the imagining, and then they sort of suddenly there's, there's this mind now where, where they think, yeah, it's actually solid, is what we need, what I need to work on. And you too, Joel, you're now in the team. And yeah, the of course. This, hopefully, they'll come and join the team too. We all pull together we'll make this work yes and i'm excited as as this grows this like ball right of of snowball starts to grow um and then people join your team that 
you know, manage communities. I'm sure you have some of those as the community is emerging, give us something more that we can do, you know, like I'll talk about it. I, that's the thing I think would bring the most impact is me continuing to talk about this with other leaders in technology. And so that will be my part. If there's ever a time where there's more that we can do, uh, just reach out to us and let us know. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. I have a fun, I have a fun question, like a hypothetical. I've been I, on the weekends, I relax and I disconnect from work and I spend time with my family. And then sometimes like on Sundays, some weird questions pop into my head. And so I write them down and I was like, all right, I'll ask some people about these. We don't know how it goes. Sometimes we leave it in the show. Sometimes we cut it out, but we just go with the flow and hang out. Um, so the question this week that I've got on my mind for Tim, um, Here's the hypothetical situation. Are you ready? Go. Yep. Okay. So I snap my fingers and then you wake up and you realize your entire life that you just lived up until that point was a, a simulation, a game. And I'm sitting there and I'm the creator of this game. And I ask you, Tim, for feedback on your experience. Good job. <laughs> Good job. Because the fractals you used, if you, if you, uh, the fractals you used in creating some of these forests, you know, and the and the and the rush that you get turning off the highway into the to go through go to run over the grass is uh, is pretty amazing. Yes, uh, good job. If you created yes, if you if this was simulation, there was it was uh, no, I liked it. Would you change anything? Yes. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, if I could change things, like for example, I decided to use the domain name system. It turned out the domain name system, I thought it was going to be managed by people like Joe Postel in the public interest. It turned out the domain name system has been uh, very, very over commercial. There's been a lot of. So if at some point, you know, if uh, Joe Postel had not died, and he in fact, uh, so if you could tweak the, tweak the, tweak the, the simulation at that point, so he stays alive and he, yeah, gets really uh, rough with the. He, and he takes a strong command. He creates a he creates a, uh, a foundation which looks after the main name system, so that anybody who thinks of an idea, they don't have to pay a hundred thousand dollars for the domain name for it uh, because it's really chosen by AI. So basically, so basically, uh, if, if if you could have, if life could have turned out so the DNS had been run in the public interest rather than. Uh, so commercially that I think it would have helped a lot of uh, innovation. Well, I can make the changes. Should I hit reboot now? <laughs> oh man, this, this is great, Tim. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's really great to hang out and talk with you and you too, John, you guys are awesome. Thank you. It was fun doing Joe. It, was, it really was a pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.